This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. To what extent can a regulatory agency deny you the right to take the claims they're making against you to a real court, also known as an Article Three court? Cato's Tommy Berry comments on a case that holds implications for your Seventh Amendment right to a jury trial. Who is Cornelius Campbell Burgess? Well, I don't know a ton of details about him, but most relevant uh, to our discussion, uh, he was fined uh, $200,000 by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is a federal agency uh, that examines various dealings in uh, the banking industry, um, uh, things of that nature. After some dealings went went south, uh, there was controversy over whether he had potentially violated some federal regulations. And the agency also barred him um, from continuing in, in his job, in his current position. Uh, but most uh, controversially, the agency did this not through a jury trial in federal district court with a, with a jury of his peers, but instead in an administrative proceeding within the very agency, an administrative law judge, uh, last name, uh, who uh, essentially had the authority unilaterally to both decide the facts and the law as to whether uh, Mr. Burgess had violated these regulations. And then although Mr. Burgess had the right to appeal that to a federal court of appeals, those factual determinations uh, were essentially binding on the court of appeals unless they found clear error. So did they keep him out of court? Yes, they kept him out. He did not have the option to go to federal district court and go through the normal process of having a Article Three judge and a federal jury of his peers uh, decide the facts of law. That was not an option, even though he requested it. So uh, when you say Article Three judge, you are referring to what I refer to as a real court. <laughs> yes, a real uh, lifetime tenure, actually in the Constitution, court and judge. All right. So uh, he sued over uh, being denied his Seventh Amendment right to a jury trial. That's right. The Seventh Amendment says you in any civil dispute where $20 or more, quite a high sum back then, not so much now, is in dispute. You have the right to a jury trial. The government argues, well, that only applies to certain rights at common law. It doesn't apply to so-called public rights. And that's really the crux of the dispute, is to what extent can new agency systems, new adjudications, new regulatory programs create entirely new systems not known to the common law? To what extent can those be created and bypass the normal common law rules that we would have had at the time of the framing? So you characterize a public right as opposed to private right as something that was created and granted by the government. It's it's a murky area of law, and no one has really nailed down exactly what counts as a public right. Some easier examples might be things like patents and trademarks uh, would be an example. The a notion, taxi medallion, perhaps. Perhaps something like that as well, something where the government is giving you a benefit it does not have to, and then if it's deciding whether to take back that benefit, you're not owed a uh, a jury trial. In this case, though, it's uh, what we have most importantly is a $200,000 civil penalty. And as our brief uh, goes through the history, that was very well known at the time of the framing. And that is not an unusual or new regulatory system. And it's not really any kind of public right being taken away from him. It's his own money, just as if he'd been sued by a private party for $200,000.
Okay, so uh, we've talked about this in a couple of different contexts, but an ALJ is an uh, an employee of a federal agency, an administrative law judge is an employee of a federal agency who uh, does not have to abide by many of the ethical or legal standards that a real judge has to. That's right. The rules of federal civil procedure don't apply. They can have their own rules. They can bypass some of the protections you normally have. And and most relevant here, they can bypass the jury and simply decide the facts on their own. And there's a serious separation of powers problem because, as you say, they work for the very agency that decided to essentially prosecute uh, Mr. Burgess. So you really have kind of a, a judge, jury, and executioner all-in-one entity situation here, where in fact, if the only uh, group that could review uh, the ALJ's decision until you go to a federal court of appeals is the FDIC itself, the board, the very same board uh, that decided to bring this enforcement action against uh, Mr. Burgess. And as bizarre as that seems, that's the system in many uh, administrative agencies. You've written a brief uh, in support of Mr. Burgess's assertion uh, that his rights were denied, his constitutional Bill of Rights rights, the ones that are taken seriously, we hope, uh, to access a court to bring his claims. That's exactly right. And fortunately for Mr. Burgess, uh, his case is going to the Fifth Circuit, which decided a similar case, a similar challenge called Jarkasy to the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which has a very similar process for administrative judges uh, deciding uh, civil penalties. And the Fifth Circuit correctly held in that case that the Seventh Amendment applies to the SEC. And so I think there's a good chance that the Fifth Circuit will get this case correct as well and hold that the Seventh Amendment applies to the the FDIC. And then what both of these cases potentially set up is eventually Supreme Court review, which would decide that issue, not just for the Fifth Circuit, but for the whole country. And and when this gets to the Supreme Court, for those of us who are not lawyers, is it likely that this fight over what is a public right versus a private right will be something that is front and center? Yes, absolutely. This is really an uh, an unanswered question at the Supreme Court, and the doctrine has been moving in a good direction, from my point of view, towards more uh, strict enforcement of the separation of powers and of the jury right. During the 70s and 80s, the Supreme Court was more lenient in this regard, and they would say, for example, that if uh, an agency process was closely bundled up with an overall regulatory scheme, then you didn't have to enforce the Seventh Amendment. But really, there's no bundled up with a regulatory scheme exception in the text of the Seventh Amendment itself. It simply says civil actions at common law worth $20 or more. And so the more recent decisions have narrowly cabined those earlier decisions. And I think the Supreme Court is moving in the direction of enforcing more broadly the Seventh Amendment right. Tommy Berry is the editor-in-chief of the Cato Institute's annual Supreme Court Review. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 